Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to our podcast, Life After the Letters. I'm Amelie. And I'm Suba. We're friends that met whilst working our first shifts as junior doctors. And we're here to talk about the stories and challenges that we face every day. On the 22nd of March 2017, a terrorist drove a car into pedestrians walking along Westminster Bridge, injuring 50 people, five of whom died. Just two months later, on the 22nd of May, a terrorist detonated a bomb in Manchester Arena during an Ariana Grande concert where 22 people were killed and over 500 injured. On the 3rd of June 2017, a terrorist drove onto London Bridge, striking eight people dead with his van and injuring a further 48 people. On the 14th of June 2017, 71 people died in a fire that engulfed Grenfell Tower, destroying the lives of families and an entire community. Five days later, yet another terrorist rammed his van into pedestrians by a mosque in Finsbury Park, injuring eight people, one of which died at the scene. These major incidents have had implications, not only for those directly affected by the tragedies, but also those who have come into contact with the victims. Hello, 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 Suba. Hello, 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 Amelie. <laughs> what up? This is a bit of a weird day because Suba's about to start her night shifts. And Amelie has just finished. finished her night shifts this morning. And I think I've slept for all of 30 to 45 <laughs> minutes today. So I'm actually a bit delirious at the moment. Currently probably running on, I don't know, maybe 24, 30 hours awake. Who That's knows? That's crazy. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? That is crazy, but it's the only way to snap out of it. Because if you sleep... If I sleep, I've wasted another day. You're done. And then you won't wake up and then it's just a vicious cycle. You, you just will... have to stay up. I would literally have less than a day off work. So by staying up, I've given myself an extra day. Do you see? Wait, what time do you start work tomorrow? So I'm not working tomorrow. So I'm working 12 o'clock the next day. Okay. So by staying awake today, you I've gained today. another day. Yeah. So basically, this is my weekend, guys. Because you... Wait, you were working during the time when the clocks went forward, right? I was. So... 
High five. High five. Because but I also came to work that night, so I gained it back. It wasn't that great. Yeah, true, true, It true, wasn't true, that great. True, 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 true. Though I suppose I worked one less hour, one le- so yeah. there we go. Yeah. Well, hey. Because <laughs> I've only ever worked on the day where the clocks went forward, and I was like, I'm just so here. Just, I'm just here for free now. Like this Continuously is, shafted. This I is an extra hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, today's episode... I'm so excited to do this one, actually, mm. because I think it's the one that's probably um, sparked up the most conversation between us. Yeah. Just about things that we're passionate about, mm. be it around mm. social justice mm. um, or just things that are affecting people in this day and age, and people, which are completely new. Yeah, and people in this beautiful city and... Of London. Yeah. And just, like, your everyday person mm-hmm. being affected by these... Major, Major incidents. Okay, exactly. we said it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how are we going to introduce the topic? I'm not quite sure. Here we go. But actually, the reason I ever even thought about it mm-hmm. and thought it would be appropriate to talk about it on this podcast mm-hmm. was because I was looking through the BMJ um, news articles online, which, by the way, are so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And they give really good perspectives, either from doctors um, or just like political correspondents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was this one article and it was talking about major incidents and how actually like the London terrorist tra- attacks of pretty much most of last year, then obviously back in 2005 as well, mm. but then also Manchester mm-hmm. and also Grenfell, which mm-hmm. obviously wasn't a terrorist attack, but mm-hmm. was a massive tragedy. Uh, yeah, a major incident. Uh, yeah, a major yeah. incident. Yeah. Um, they were just talking about what the health perspective is on it and what we need to do and how we can respond. So I thought it was so interesting. Yeah, yeah, of course. And also it's something that um, you don't see regularly and thank God for that. But Mm -hmm. also in that sense where you are good at managing things that happen often and Mm -hmm. you have clear protocols that everyone understands and everyone knows how how to use and how they work. And obviously with major incidents, they're like a big spanner in the works because... There are obviously there are protocols for all like all hospitals will have a major incident protocol, mm-hmm. but not all members of staff are necessarily clued into your major incident protocol. So often it's that it gets activated and then you you are sort of more like a, a cog in the machine. Because that's the last time that you want to be trying to log onto the hospital's slow internet to download this big PDF file, which is probably 50, 60 pages long, exactly, and yeah. figuring out what you do when Grenfell happens. Yeah. And of course, there are people to direct you, mm-hmm. and that's sort of what we're going to be talking about yes. today, isn't it? Almost a perspective from their point of view, things yeah. that we've learned and things we've heard about. when we had our induction super? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really interesting. It so was interesting. We had a lady come and give us a talk about um, the major incident protocol at our hospital, and talk to us about... Did kind of give us an overview of it, which was really helpful. Because it was, it was. Particularly in this day and age where these things, unfortunately, aren't as uncommon as you would like them to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we do need to be prepared to kind of not necessarily know the ins and outs of everything that's going to happen, but it was really helpful for them to say, okay, well, our priority is X, Y, and Z, and this is how you can be helpful. And Totally. It was, yeah, it was a really informative session for us, actually. And I suppose we don't always have that appreciation of what our full responsibilities are Mm. and actually it's our responsibility to be prepared for situations that we cannot predict exactly and that exactly was the talk yeah so it was really interesting to figure out how how we react when a hospital has to change completely to react to a problem that's just appeared yeah so I think she even made reference to like chemical attacks and things like that and I was like what is this chick talking about (laughs) but it was it was interesting and Mm. it makes sense Mm. Um, looking back at what's happened over the past year, pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah, so on that point of talking about all these protocols that people Mm, have, mm. obviously we have places where we almost kind of do like, you know, dress rehearsals or practice runs of these kind of scenarios. And those for us is like simulation, (laughs) which is a huge thing in medicine. Of course, you know, you have simulated practice. we've been doing it for years, haven't we? Literally, third year of medicine, like med school, you start doing simulated, you know, assessments of patients, unwell patients, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, And major incidents, again, it's the same thing that you need. You need to be having sort of dress rehearsals and run-throughs and everyone's sort of whilst you're in a calm state yeah gaining an understanding and appreciation of what the priorities are so that when you're in a stressed state hopefully some of that comes back to you <laughs> like some of it just something just that muscle memory <laughs> kicks in because you know what it's like when you're stressed yeah. like you can barely string a thought together like you just need to act on muscle memory and that's yeah. why it's important to have these sort of like run-throughs where you get yourself geared up and you kind of can process the importance of doing these things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And can I say, relate? this is slightly related, but I just mm. realised we're so lucky that our alphabet is A, B, C, D, E. Because, you mm. know, when we do a simulation, and if you have no idea of what you're doing, yeah. if you remember A, B, C, D, E, <laughs> which is the alphabet, which yeah. a five-year-old could tell you, yeah, yeah. you know what you're doing in that simulation. You yeah. know that you need to check the airways, LA, breathing, breathing, circulation, circulation disability, disability, exposure... exposure. And your patient is alive. You Isn't that so cool? You've actually just blown my mind because you know some things like that happen <laughs> to you in life and you never even question that yeah. that is a thing. If we weren't in England, what do they do in like France, mate? No, oh, no, 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 hold on. <laughs> I was going to say like, like, I was going to say Saudi Arabia. Okay, there we go, there we go. And you were like, what about France? <laughs> yeah, but you, airway, airway is not A there. Who knows? I don't even know. It's probably some, yeah. who knows, man? We will let you guys know. Breathing is not B. It's like a <laughs> respirer or something. <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh, for this segue right. there. Yeah, sorry for us and our lack but, of... That, it's just like that. Yeah. Um, if you have your ground rules and what you need to do mm. initially... Mm. You can, like, freak out a little bit, but you have some sort of, like, framework and framework in approaching everything going forward. Yeah. So, actually, I found this interesting with, like, trauma teams from major trauma centres. They always have simulations Mm. whereby that will be taking place either within the hospital and the areas in which they work. Yeah. Um, So they'll be taking time out of their working day to come and do this and see how they work together as a team. Yeah. Um, And sometimes the ambulance... Um, service will also be used where they'll do these scenarios outside mm-hmm. um, and I think they, there was one that was done just after the Westminster, Westminster attacks Yeah, and so everyone was a bit more fresh about what was going on with terrorism and actually what we can do next time Okay, if yeah. there was a next time. So should we just go on to talk about the nice recommendations for major incidents? Yeah sure let's mm-hmm. let's Okay, so NICE have a screen and treat approach yeah. to major incidents. Yeah. And that's sort of about identifying who's been affected mm-hmm. um, by these incidents and putting into place the appropriate assessment. So, you know, obviously for conditions like mm. post-traumatic stress disorder, which is obviously going to spike massively after these sorts of things. Yeah. But, like, you know, with these scenarios where you're getting people, you know, thrown into a scenario that they did not expect at all, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you get these whole... It's a whole sort of host of people mm. from all sorts of different areas. Mm. Um, but we'll come on to talk about that, actually, because that's quite interesting. So if you compare incidents like, say, Westminster, for instance, mm-hmm. you've got people from 
all over the place, like whether that's tourists. You mean as oh, okay, yeah. Like geographically, mm-hmm. like tourists, whether that's people that work, you know, in those surrounding areas, whether that's people just come there for like lunch, maybe it's their day off, people yeah. that are out there maybe just like hanging out in Waterloo and crossing the bridge or you know, well there's so many people that have been brought to a place that's like a central hub. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a very just like people from all over the place that now yeah, it's not we're not talking about a natural community are we we're exactly talking about people who are just commuting to work either here on tourism or just all the things that there's so many say. reasons that people will be in westminster and the difficulty is actually say you've got how are you going to screen this whole group of people yeah i always wonder how when they how do say they flag screen them up? and treat how do they actually access those people yeah because i mean these people may have if, if you've got someone who's obviously had a physical injury that's very different because they're gonna seek help they're gonna seek help for if they've had an injury to their leg an injury to their arm or Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that they might pop to they're gonna go to the hospital to have that checked there and there um but those that have all been there that have like you know uh rightfully fled the area as soon (laughs) as this incident is occurring yeah they're just gonna go back and carry this trauma back to wherever they Mm. have you know come from and they may not seek help they may not go to their gp they may not you know verbalize vocalize about it and particularly i think you know conditions like post-traumatic stress disorder where the last thing you want to do mm-hmm. is to be thinking about this traumatic event because it's giving you this reaction and so, i suppose yeah. you also have if pe- if you know that people have been devastated by the situation or people have been killed or badly injured and actually you felt feel as though oh i was lucky enough to escape mm-hmm. actually you might not legitimize your psychological stress as absolutely, much. absolutely so i suppose people probably don't go out and seek the treatment themselves absolutely so when they say yes we can screen and identify those people mm. i wonder how actually we can do that in practical terms yeah. when we're talking about such a big a vast group, group of people disseminated <laughs> one may even say <laughs> And that brings us to that article that they wrote in the BMJ. Mm. I feel like we're just talking about all the BMJ articles today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the BMJ, they talk about centred incidents mm. and disseminated incidents. Yeah. So when you're looking at disseminated incidents, you're talking about things like Westminster yeah. attacks yeah. and also the Manchester bombings, yeah. where people from all walks of life who live in completely different areas, who don't have any other reason of being together other than that space that they're in for that time in that, being. In that specific moment of time, they all happen to be in that specific mm-hmm. place. Whether that's by pure chance, such as in Westminster. Or whether that's to see Ariana Grande Exactly, in such as in Manchester. Or whether that's, you know, the London Bridge attack. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know all that sort of stuff people are there for multiple different reasons but they aren't necessarily tied into that specific location so they will not be necessarily in that specific location Mm -hmm. for very much longer and wasn't it so interesting what they were saying about the way that disseminated nature of the Mm. people actually does benefit in some ways the way that they'll be able to access care so yeah 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 yeah. come on because so let's forget being able to identify those people let's say by some magic way we were able to identify all those who had the stress of the situation or were physically injured so imagine as everyone's leaving their space they get like a little pin like a gold (laughs) pin on their scalp so you can pick them up later (laughs) so if you were able to pick all those people actually because these people live in such different areas The resources available to them would be from their GPs and yeah. it would be from like local areas and actually easily able to access those areas of support. So the new, so the sudden new onset um, of, you know, demand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on these resources is spread out. So 
each CCG spread across the NHS mm-hmm. may be taking, uh, you know, an extra percentage spike in demand, which they can easily manage. Mm-hmm. They're able yes. to manage that. Um, comparatively to, let's talk about, I think, one of the most the opposite, so the centred attacks, of which clearly right. jumps to mind is Grenfell. Mm-hmm. Um, where, Do you want to explain what it means by a centred attack and then we can go on to it? Yeah, so um, obviously Amelie's spoken about disseminated. Centred is where you've got... Um, a major incident that hits a very specific group of people, so a s- specific natural community. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's something that's happening in a location, but the people that are all affected by that are people that reside in that specific location. And know each other, and go yeah. to the same schools, work together, live they're a together, community. a community. Yeah, they're a community. Mm-hmm. So it's not just... Um, sort of strangers or, or maybe groups small groups of people it's mm-hmm. um one one community that's specifically attacked mm-hmm. or specifically uh, affected sorry is probably a better word mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so with grenfell of course it was a horrific tragedy but on yeah. top of that the aftermath of it is even harder because actually now you've got a specific area with maybe you know supplied by one sort of care commissioning group mm-hmm. um having to take on this new burden, burden yeah and this new sort of demand for its resources, but they have a limited, um, you know, limited supply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is this was quite interesting because obviously it's a case of can we redirect resources from other places where they're not actually being used mm-hmm. at this time? But, you know, the NHS is sort of, uh, it's sort of like sectioned up, isn't it? Yeah. So it's difficult. And obviously there was so much like public outpouring of support for Grenfell. Yeah. But then... When you think about it, the difficulty with that is that everyone is a- is trying to give money and trying to give money, yeah. but who is going to manage that money and where is that money going to go towards? Yeah. And that's why it's so important for the government to step in and provide support. And divvy up those things and be able to like direct that flow mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. the appropriate places and have that appropriate management because mm-hmm. that's what you need in that moment. You need management, you need leadership, you yeah. need um, someone to oversee or, you know, a system. Which, a system. which actually really reminds me of the Hurricane Katrina attacks. Attacks, sorry. The hurricane, attacks. <laughs> the hurricane Katrina flooding. Yeah. Um, when, obviously, it was also a similar demographic of a group. Exactly. Who were poorer than your average. Yeah. Um, and I suppose with these areas, which are already resource limited. Yeah. And people who are deprived. Socially deprived. Actually, actually, when you're probably looking at these people on the news, you think oh, they don't need as much help as, say, white man with a lot of money. And I remember when Kanye um, was on the news with... He was on the news and they were asking questions. It might have been at MTV. Okay. And he was like, George Bush doesn't even like white people. No, George Bush doesn't even like black people. <laughs> George doesn't even like white people? <laughs> no, but he was like, George Bush doesn't even like black people. Mm. But what he was trying to say in that moment was that the government... Is not supporting. Is not supporting these underprivileged people. Yeah. Um, even Which, though, who, more often than not, like, let's speak frankly, mm-hmm. are ethnic. Like, you know, whether that's people from different ethnicities, but, you know, mm-hmm. often the people that you find in these situations are like, ethnic groups, right? Yeah, or just say yeah, more economically deprived groups, which yeah. will obviously have a high percentage of people from ethnic and minorities. Yeah. Um, so it... And it is a shame when you're watching mm. this happening right, right in front of your eyes mm. and you think, actually, if this was in a richer area, would we be able to 
mm. um, rally together better support or, re- or better systems would mm. they already have better systems in place that can provide these resources to them directly mm. um, but then surely that's something that's government led so this is what I, I think is confusing because obviously even if even if like you had you know a tragedy like this mm. affect a socially you know better off uh, mm-hmm. part of London, let's take, I don't know, a Swiss cottage or something, a St. John's Wood. I thought right? you were going to say Swiss cheese. I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> Swiss cottage. Sorry. Yeah, let's talk about Swiss cottage. Or like St. John's Wood, that's mm. a really affluent area. Yeah. If you um, had, you know, like a a terrible something happened there yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. Um, surely still, you know, the, the provision of services needs to come from the government. Yes, it does need to come from the government, but you're also dealing with a group of people in St. John's Wood who have different resources. Yeah, of course. They uh, were... The actual people's resources are obviously different, so they're more affluent and they're able to Yes, yeah, so if you trust back. everything that you ha- have had, mm. because that is just your flat mm. um, and the house in which you live in, mm. and you don't have people who don't who live outside that tower or you don't have more money in the bank who, yeah. which could get you another property or you go and stay in your other family friend's house. Exactly, yeah you're more in need of services. Yeah. So actually, if you can't... If the government can't provide your basic hierarchy, yeah. Maslow's hierarchy yeah, needs yeah. for you, like shelter and you're food, done, yeah. what can you do? And yeah. I think that's the difficulty in these tragedies mm-hmm. um, with Hurricane Katrina and Grenfell, Grenfell yeah. um, where they actually do need to be provided with just the bare minimum. Yeah. And the government's... Yeah, yeah the government's response to that was not as one would hope, but... Mm-mm. Yeah. But... I'm sure that was for various reasons, which we'll probably look into later on or in future episodes or yeah. more so at social determinants of health. Mm, mm. So just going on from um, Grenfell, mm. so we were talking about one, social determinants of health, very briefly. Yeah, very <laughs> I literally good. just said it as a sentence. <laughs> um, but we were also talking about freeing up resources. And there's like lots of different theories. Yeah. Do you hold back a valuable resource and just hold it until it's required in a time of crisis, yeah. which is actually kind of a waste of money if they're not being tapped into. Yeah. Um, or do you just try and find resources as they come? So in a time of crisis, do you then try and sort of rally the troops type thing exactly. and, and bring back in other resources from other places? Which actually is probably not as practical. Yeah. So it's difficult to know exactly which one we need to go down. Yeah. Particularly um, because, and I think the, 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 the major mm. issue with, say, trying to like redirect resources mm-hmm. in a time of crisis is that you've got a very, very short period of time in which you need to summon up a hell of a lot of resources. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's we, difficult. It is difficult. And I feel like we go on about systems in every single episode. Yeah. But it's yeah. actually about what system is in place to deal with the unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the key issue. Yeah. With. Yeah. It's having that backup plan and what that backup plan yeah. actually is. If only there was unlimited money. If only money... If only money grew on trees, grew on trees <laughs> um, So we talked about the attacks yeah um and also the grenfell tragedy yeah um but we haven't actually looked how the star it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. For impact is. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective yeah, to go on it from. Definitely, because I think this also ties into, we've spoken you know, throughout our sort of previous episodes a bit about... <laughs> All two of them. <laughs> <laughs> about how um, how emotionally distressing things can be. Well, for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah we talk about that. We, we have do. spoken about that. And, and that's... More than just in our episodes. No. <laughs> but that's... And that's talking about something that's actually anticipated. Mm-hmm. You anticipate when you go to work that you may have to, you know, perform CPR. You may be with a patient that's very, very unwell and about to die. Mm. Um, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't anticipate, uh, yeah, as I'm getting ready tonight to go to my night, that there may be a major incident. And no. I may be the doctor that's in the hospital that needs no. to go down to A&E and no, maybe help out. I, that thought doesn't cross... It never does. Does not cross my mind. Do you know what, though? It, what? Randomly, I was walking past... Um, one of the stations, yeah. and I saw, like, ten ambulances outside. Mm. And I just felt like a member of the public at that time. And I remember specifically mm. feeling like a member of the public because I wasn't wearing my, like, scrubs. I wasn't in hospital. Yeah. And actually, I was looking and I was seeing... And basically, I saw, like, a body on the floor. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyways, I saw a body on the floor surrounded by, like, ten ambulances and, like, staff members mm. and they're performing mm. CPR. Mm-hmm. And I thought oh my gosh, what is, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was thinking, oh, what if these people are going to be taken to our A&E? What are they going to be doing there? But whenever I go on my night shifts or my day shifts to A&E, mm. I'm never thinking about these tragedies or traumas that are taking place. Yeah. All I'm thinking about is Joe Bloggs off the street coming into A&E yeah. because he broke his leg or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. You don't think about people that are going to be... And I mean, also... This is weird, isn't it? Yeah, because on that topic, like maybe on a tangent there, mm, but um, mm. I've never been called to do anything medical whilst not at work. So I've not been like, say, had, you know, ha- seen someone collapse on the street. I've never had a scenario like on a flight where they're like, is there a doctor? Like, <laughs> I've not been part of any of those situations. Mm, mm. But... That's also, like, generally, that would be one person that you're called to see. But imagine just going about your regular day or, like, being in central London, like, on Oxford Street shopping or something, and then, like, a bomb goes off or something awful happens. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's not just one person, which actually, if you were thrown into that scenario, you could probably be like, okay, A, B, C, D, E, right? Mm -hmm. If that is 20 people, that's a whole street, and you're reeling from the shock of this happening, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's a whole different situation. It is, it is. Um, But kind of... You know, going back to talking about 
the effect on staff, mm-hmm. you don't anticipate these things you happening. Don't, you don't. Because you can, you can manage your job because mm-hmm. that's your job, right? You do that. But actually going to work and thinking about having... 30, 40 people rushed in because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they've been injured and mm-hmm. there's been this attack and you don't have all the information. In those moments, the worst thing sometimes is that you don't know you the don't full know story. You don't know what you're doing just then. You don't yeah. know the full picture. You don't necessarily know exactly what's happened. You don't know why that's happened. You don't know if it's stopped. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you know, you don't know about your friends and families, everyone's safe. Like always when you have mm-hmm. these incidents, the first thing, if I've not like checked on the news or something, usually the first way I find out is because someone's messaged me, mm-hmm. you know, in one of my groups and said, I'm, you know, I'm fine. Like, mm. is everyone else okay? And if you think back to 77, actually, I'm not sure mm. if you remember, if you were probably in school at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like, you were, you were in school too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were in school at the time and yeah. all the phone lines were shut down, I yeah. remember. Yeah. And I went to school in Albans and I was yeah. like, I can't get through to my dad in London. And everyone yeah. was like screaming around. Yeah. Kind of in a really like, in a juvenile kind of like screamy kind of way. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But actually, looking back, mm. we didn't know what was happening. You at don't all. know. So we didn't yeah. know what the scale of the attacks was. Yeah, and, and you don't know we, if it's finished. You don't yes, know if it's... all you heard was London bombings. Oh, mm. and then there was one here on a bus, and then you heard that there's something Someone on a train. On a tube. Yeah, and you did not know the extent. And in hindsight, the... you can say yes. These are the thirty casualties we need to deal with. Fine. But when it's happening, and you have five people come in, and then two people, an hour later, another ten people come in. Yeah. You have no idea what you're doing, do you? And imagine all the chain of events. So you've mm. got X number of people getting on their phones and calling X number of ambulances, London Ambulance Service redirecting their flow, and at the same time, people are still all over the you know all over the city, all over the country, mm. having their regular pneumonias, their regular COPD exacerbations, mm. their regular MIs. Like that stuff is still happening. Yeah. And now you've got, you know, 50 people calling you up and saying... Like, the world we does need not a- stop just because of a tragedy. No. Isn't that crazy? Exactly. But now you've got this extra, you know, massive demand where you're having to redirect 30 ambulances mm-hmm. to try and collect all these mm-hmm. traumas. And you've only got X number of trauma centres in the, you know, in the city that you're going to direct people to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, them being prepared... Because I, my hospital, where mm. I studied as a medical student, was a trauma centre. <laughs> I was like, I work at the same <laughs> hospital as you, super. Rude. Mine, not yours. Yeah. No, when I was a, a medical student, it was a trauma centre. Yeah. And it's a, an absolute joy to watch trauma centres receive a trauma patient. Because yes, they yes. are like, it's amazing. And the way they work is just so well Beautiful. It's beautiful. It is it's, it's like, like a, a, watching an opera. Yeah, I was going to say. I want to say like a symphony. It's like watching. Orchestra. It's literally like watching some sort of like performance because, art. Because and it's because you have to have a team leader in place. Yeah. You have to have everything oh, team. And a, a team that works together excellently and they know each of their roles. And you have people doing, um, I can't remember what it's called, but like like an A, B, C, D, E, but simultaneously. Yeah. So someone's doing A or someone's doing B or someone's mm-hmm. doing C or someone's doing D and E. And then literally two minutes later, the patient's got blood being, you know, pumped in. You've got airway has happened tuned. in the space of five minutes where actually if you were by yourself, yeah. you could have done that in about... 30, 40 yeah. minutes. And not only that, but I remember it was so fast that I would have to watch, I'd have to pick which person I was going to watch. Yeah. So I'd be like, okay, today I'm like, for this person, I'm going to watch A. So I'd like have my eyes pinned on the anaesthetist who's doing A and be like, oh cool, okay, so now they're doing this, now they're doing that, okay, fine. Because you cannot try and watch them all at you the same can't. time because they are so good. But isn't that amazing? You have to trust the team that you're working with yeah. because you've all come together before that yeah. one event and actually trained and thought about yeah. how are we going to approach it if a trauma case was to come in and they've they've got the confidence in each other they're a unit but now take that right so this team is able to accept 
one trauma case coming in. They can maybe do that quickly, try and move on to your second trauma case. If you've got five simultaneous trauma cases coming into your A&E recess, mm. there is only so many of you that are actually generally operating in this mm. manner. Now you've got to pull in people from the medical wards, people from, you know, the, whichever wards to come in, to come you, down you to mean, this as place. Doctors and yeah, nurses, yeah, 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 doctors, nurses, um, staff members, whoever else to come mm. in to try and now fill in for the demand and these aren't people that were necessarily yeah. work together in a team these but aren't wonder, people that question you know when we're talking about this yeah do you think we're thinking about this from a like a Grey's Anatomy kind of <laughs> oh my gosh everything is happening at the same yeah, time yeah, yeah. This, there's been a big ferry it's been crashed in the water <laughs> and like, there's a shooter in the hospital yeah like it's so weird a lot of my um education yeah. about trauma is very similar to the general public's yeah and actually it's come from tv and it's come from <laughs> Isn't that tragic? Yeah, 100%. My experience of, like, how hospitals react to major incidents comes from what's called Seattle Grace Hospital. (laughs) Shout out. Like, (laughs) genuinely. Shonda Rhimes, thank you for the education. (laughs) But actually, it's interesting because we're still the people who will be there responding. Yeah. But the most important people in these scenarios are the consultants and those people who are coordinating Mm. um, and the Mm. trauma nurses and people who know how to deal with big, catastrophic events. The people that you're going to present yourself to and they'll direct you where to go. And I'm not sure if you remember, Suba, when we had our major incident training um, or the Mm. session that we talked about earlier, um, the lady was saying, actually, the most important thing Mm. is just to obey orders and she said if someone tells you to go somewhere you just go to that place even if your job is mundane and actually all you're doing is some sort of like administrative role that's what you you do do. you sit there and you do the administrative role you don't run to theater and say try pumping hearts with your bare hand do you know what i mean you're not meredith gray like you're not meredith Meredith gray as much as you may want to be even though you dreamed every night (laughs) in med school that you were meredith gray oh i was a mixed steamy girl oh my god no competition at least no 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 <laughs> <laughs> that just um made me think about the that article that mm. that consultant um wrote yeah Do you which is so interesting actually yeah so Should I actually get up a, yeah yeah pull it, up, pull it up so i'll give you guys a quick uh, overview in the meantime so basically it's about a it's a consultant anaesthetist from saint mary's who after the westminster attacks um sort of speaks about a a group they set up on WhatsApp. With the consultants. With all the consultants. In kind of, St Mary's Hospital, I believe. Or... Yeah, in order to be able to coordinate a response to these sorts of things and to, you know, have a have a system in a way that they can be prepared to kind of coordinate their efforts and work together as a team. So uh, I'll let Amelie sort of read well, a little excerpt. Or just to go on from that, actually. So this um, consultant, he... I think he lives near Grenfell. But yeah, he, could see he lives in West London. Or yeah, what, yeah, so he, yeah, exactly. You just need to live there to yeah, see to it. See. Um, and he could see the tower. He the looked tower. out his window pretty much, and just could see the the you know Grenfell on fire, and um, and at that same time he could see this WhatsApp group that he'd set up. Yeah, started blowing up, up, blowing up all these messages from the consultants trying to coordinate mm. um, care and coordinate. Um, the management yeah, in the yeah, hospital yeah. because their response basically mm-hmm. um, from a sort of manage, managerial kind of position. Mm-hmm. And I think they had about twenty five casualties that came into their hospital mm. um, from Grenfell Tower that day. Mm. So let me just find it, and here we go. So this consultant, consultant anaesthetist, but basically the consultant he writes a really interesting blog about what happened and how he felt, and in hindsight what he thought about the whole attack. Mm. Sorry, the um, tragedy. Apologies. Yeah. 
So his conclusion, he writes, Being able to see the sheer scale of the fire when I woke up made the tragedy more real, and I had a sick feeling in my stomach as I drove into the hospital. We cheated a lot of children at St Mary's, and I know that many of my colleagues are still extremely upset about what they saw, trainees and highly experienced consultants alike. At the time of writing, some of the individuals are still being identified, their stories being told, and the scale of the human tragedy becoming apparent. Mm. I am much more emotionally affected now than I was on the day of the incident. Some would say we must remain emotionally detached and equate that with professionalism, but I am human. Mm. I saw this tragedy unfold out of my window, and I feel I am a better doctor for giving myself permission to stop, reflect on what has happened, and to grieve. Well said. Mm. Well said. And I just really liked the way he considered how he was feeling. Yeah. Um, and how his colleagues also were feeling. Because a lot of the times I don't think we do stop and think about mm. how things do affect us. Yeah. Because particularly, and I imagine it's more so for trauma teams and, and people who work in the emergency departments or yeah. as anaesthetists, they're faced with death a lot of the time or yeah. more acute scenarios. And the adrenaline in your body allows you to get Get through that moment. Get through that moment, get through Mm. that day, get everything sorted. Mm. But when you do go home, you need to be whole in yourself, don't you? Yeah, you do. And you need to be able to sort of emotionally discharge in a way because Mm. you carry, you know, you're carrying around a lot of this emotional baggage. It's it's trauma. Yeah, yeah, you carry it with you, right? And Mm. also, that's, that's, you know on a regular day maybe with one or two patients Mm -hmm. imagine so many patients coming through and that's from that's little children Mm -hmm. up to like grown adults across to elderly like it's you know it's really difficult and then you're also kind of reeling from the fact that this isn't just you know focusing say for example on Grenfell Mm -hmm. you're also focusing on the fact that this is a whole community of people whose Mm -hmm. lives have been absolutely destroyed and that's a, that's a shocker to all of us. Like it that was is. a shocker to anyone that was, um, you know, that was reading about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only are you dealing it, dealing, you know, with the trauma from a medical point of view and the things that you've witnessed and you've treated, mm-hmm. but also just as as a city, like everyone mm-hmm. was was hurting. And that applies to Manchester. That applies to you know, London Bridge attacks, to yeah. Westminster attacks. Like we're all we're all reeling from it. And then mm-hmm. there's another layer to it when you're a medical professional and you've had to deal with you know cases of trauma that have come mm-hmm. in and, and it's and you don't just see one case you see more you see several multiple. and you see multiple you can see multiple in a day if it was a scenario like that yeah i'm not sure if you've ever read or listened to any doctors who've worked in syria and talk about their experiences but it's really really interesting yeah, yeah. because they see things that we will never even dream of seeing no. children who are burnt from the inside Gosh, yeah, out yeah. things that i don't even i can't even picture to think that that's actually happening to a human, it's actually happening to a child. Yeah. It's a lot to deal with. Yeah. And so for staff members, I think it's also important, just as public, mm. who may not be physically injured from an event like that, mm. um, to also seek psychological support. Yeah, and to think about, actually, your your health mm. in that scenario, because also you're going back into work the next day mm. and you have got to be able to move forward mm. and... You've got to be discharging that emotion and that baggage mm-hmm. somewhere. You've got to be able to put it down and sort of make your peace with mm-hmm. what you've seen and what you've experienced and yeah. come away with some form of understanding almost. Yeah. Or because I, don't I think know. we always fo- obviously we all always focus on physical health. And to a certain extent we 
are becoming more aware of mental health. Yeah, absolutely. But when we look at, like, spiritual well-being... Yeah. And I don't mean that in, like, a faith sense. Yeah, no, not in a religious way, yeah. And I mean that more in a... In a holistic... A holistic way. We are human beings, yeah. Who are you? How do you feel? How Mm. do you process... Um, what do you need to do to get yourself through that day? Mm. What do you need to do to give yourself space? Mm-hmm. We don't really think about that because... Yeah, we just crack on, yeah. That's it. So I wonder if we need to start thinking about ways in which we support each other and support ourselves as well and become yeah. more switched on to how we process. Yeah, and how things. we can just, you know, in I was going to say just on a, on a sort of side note, but not really a side mm-hmm. note, but at work, you know, there's such a focus on how we can practice better, how we can improve, mm-hmm. quality improvement, all that sort of stuff. And actually this applies to that because we will be better for it if we are able to manage our own holistic well-being better. Yes. It only enables us to be better clinicians and provide mm-hmm. better care for our patients. Mm-hmm. And also that improves our approach to our patients mm-hmm. which allows their health to be more holistic and better yeah so yeah just a point for us i think keeping mm-hmm. our back of our minds and i also think we need to think about the way communities are dealt with and mm. um, following on from grenfell and going on from that there was a gp who um, made a reflection mm. on grenfell 100 days after and mm. um, the fire and he discusses grenfell being a tragedy he also mm. discusses things like acid attacks mm. terror attacks and um, mm. things that are occurring more regularly in the uk and he's discussing what our needs are as a community mm. and actually how do we best support one another um, and how can we make sure that things like suicide or how do we make sure things mm. like burnout don't continue mm. to rise or continue to be an issue mm. and actually when we look back that's all about how do you deal with who you are mm. and how do you um, deal with traumas within the community. Yeah. So it is really interesting, and I yeah. think there's a lot more to be said on traumatic events. Yeah. Um, because it really does affect everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how important your mental health and well-being is mm-hmm, after these mm-hmm. sorts of events, and like like we said earlier in you know in this episode, how that can often take a back seat and not be as much of a priority in the acute mm-hmm, aftermath mm-hmm. of these big tragedies. Because, of course, everyone's focused on the physical mm. the physical consequences. Yeah. Um, but there's a... But no-one's thinking about, how are you going to treat this community who has been yeah. all... who have all been bereaved? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that mad? Yeah. And that's... And it's difficult. And that takes a lot of resources. And it's... Uh, takes a lot of planning and... And it's time-intensive. Preparation, mm. and, and yeah, and engagement. And the GP speaks about something that I thought was amazing, that, you know, after the Grenfell um, tragedy, mm. the community mental health teams were literally going up and knocking on doors and yeah. set and offering services and yeah. leaving information and leaving, you yeah. know, places, points of access. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing because that's, you know, not waiting for them to come to you because mm-hmm. you appreciate that they may not come to you. And it actually ties in with our... our previous episode about delays in treatment but yeah. taking the service to mm-hmm. to the people that need them which is harder because we spoke about how your community is deprived of resources so in a major incident that is obviously centered rather than disseminated we spoke about how you've got a, a higher demand for resources mm-hmm. but also the slight advantage is that all the people that need those resources are within a set mm-hmm. area so actually yeah. it's easier for you to offer those services to people mm-hmm. um if you decide to approach it in that way yeah. and now remember when we were talking about the nice recommendation for identify, identify and, and treat, or, yeah. no identify and treat yeah and um, yes 
let's say you can identify those people, mm. you need to actually go and offer them the treatment in the way that is best for that community. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important for us to think about as well. Yeah. And how do we best reach the public and say, yeah, this psychological stress is just as important and maybe have more long-term effects yeah. if you don't get it sorted now or addressed now. Yeah. How do we, with public health, um, start to educate the public on these things? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it goes in Absolutely. the future. Absolutely. Um, and particularly in more um, socially deprived areas where mm-hmm. already access to health and things like that are already more difficult. And, yeah. you know, it's... And they yeah. will be... And there are certain groups of people who will, will be disillusioned with the services we provide anyway as doctors. Mm. They can't get the GP appointment when they want it. Um, mm. They have There's more demand for GP services, so mm. they really can't um, access... Um, they might have longer waiting times in their hospitals yeah. to see um, an A&E doctor. Actually, they have a lot less trust in us than yeah. people from more privileged... Um, communities yeah. who actually have better health. One, because they eat better, they may smoke less. Exactly. They have, um, so, their social determinants of health are more in their favour. So yeah. naturally they have better sort of health outcomes to begin with. And mm-hmm. secondly, they might have better education levels, they have better understanding of services. Yeah. They, they, The way they perceive services is as more accessible and they're more likely to engage and to cooperate with the systems. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually mm-hmm. people that are from socially deprived backgrounds may already perceive systems as difficult for them systems as not being they already they already have lots of barriers Mm -hmm. to accessing certain things yeah and they also have like poorer health outcomes full stop and they will require a higher in need from the system as well Mm. so yeah these things aren't in the favor are they no but i think it's really interesting topic we talked about today definitely i think it's generated a lot of um discussion and a lot of thought actually Mm. a lot of food for thought here yeah um, but super, I'm wary of the time. It's 2019. Yeah. You start working literally 11 minutes. Yeah, I need to Bounce. go. <laughs> I need to go. So, uh, yeah, let's wrap this one up. So, thank you for listening today. Yes. I hope you. you guys continue to listen and continue to make suggestions. Yeah. Please subscribe to Life After the Letters on please. iTunes. Please do. And, and please I mean, feel leave... free to rate us five stars. Five stars. I of don't course. even say please leave us a review. Literally, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five stars, please. Thank you. For you, that person who did a two star, yeah? Is that? Yeah. yeah. Who, who, are like who are you? Who are you? What did I do? <laughs> no, thank you for listening, guys. Yeah. That was a good topic, wasn't it? It was, it was. And stay tuned in. We've got a lot more interesting stuff coming up. We do, we do. Yeah. All right, take care, guys. Take care. Bye. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.